You say it. it. I always say it. You are listening to Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. I'm Bree. I'm Wade. We're going to talk about some gnarly shit. She says that every time. And it's gnarly. Gnarly. (laughs) No, no. Every time. (laughs) Anyways. Mine, like always, is pretty fucking gnarly. It holds true most of the time. Mine, like always, barely is on topic. <laughs> Good. It's something. You have something. And it's, yeah, something to talk about, yeah. So what are we going to do this week? We are doing TV movie director related <laughs> crimes. No. Oh, what are we doing? Reality TV related crimes. Oh, psh, yeah, I knew that. That's what I did. Okay. Can we pause really quick? I'm kidding. Oh man. Oh man. I love trash reality TV. It is one thing that I adore. So she really fucking does. I really do. You do. I don't. He watches it with me and gets into it. It's the only thing to watch. I don't think that's much of an excuse, but I am. I want to tune out and not think about anything when I watch TV, and reality TV does that. So we did reality TV adjacent Moitas. 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 Alright, hurry up and let's get this one over with because I literally am running out of drunkenness. Oh, good. You sound so excited. Yay! So we had New Year's this week. We were in bed by 9.30. But today, which is in our time Sunday, we're releasing this episode Monday, we went snowboarding. We met up with our co-worker, John, and that was a lot of fun and got pretty drunk while we were up there. So we were running off of our drunkenness from snowboarding. And I'm out. You're out. Of drunkenness. You're out of drunkenness. Yes. I still got some drunkenness in me. I hurt. <laughs> I hurt. I hurt, too. I'm so Brain old. hurts. Body hurts. We didn't even ride that hard today, either. Uh, we like, really didn't. No. Let's hurry up. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> oh, my God. I have, I have to tell the story of little Mikey. Oh, God. Okay. So, we're about to get on the chairlift, and there are... I wanted to ride the chairlift alone because I wanted to stretch out and get comfortable. And so, I'm going to get on the chairlift, and there is a girl who's probably, like, 12 years old, and then her little brother who's probably, like, I don't know, what, eight? What'd you yeah, say? Like yeah. Eight. Like, eight years old. And the girl comes out and doesn't say anything to the little kid, and he gets scared, and the little brother, like, stays back. So she steps aside, and the lifty was nice to them, but he was like, you know, you guys have to decide, like, are you riding together, or are you not riding together? Like, we need to do this. So she was like, yeah, we're riding together. Yells at him again. He gets out there. They get on the lift. So then I put, like, a chair in between me and them, because I knew that little kid was probably going to fall, because it's not like he was having a lot of help. And so I'd, you know, give them an extra chair, get on the chair lift right up to the top. And then sure enough, they get off little Mikey, little brother goes down off the lift, eat shit. So I see this happen. So I have enough time. I get over to the other side of the lift, 
you know, get off the lift, throw my board off real quick, run over there and pull him up and kind of push him out of the way because nobody else is fucking helping this kid. So all's good. He's good. He gets out of there. They go to ride. We go to ride. We stop at Midway, which is like a bar in between the top of the hill and the bottom of the hill. Midway. And get a drink. And when we stop to do that, I see the girl and her little brother. Wait, they call it Midway because it's Midway. It's like halfway down the mountain. Wait. That's really where they call it Midway? What? No, it's not. Why the fuck else would they call that Midway? Exactly. So why are you acting like, oh, it's called Midway because it's Midway down the mountain. Obviously, it's called Midway. Man, somebody's feisty over here. Drunkness is wearing off, so the beast is coming out. You're mean. No, I'm not. Can I finish my story? Are you going to finish your story? I'm fucking trying to, if you would let me, asshole. Get it done, then. So, I, I see- was. <laughs> I'm going to punch you super hard. Why do you resort to violence shut the fuck up so we get to midway i see the sister meet up with her little like boyfriend that's the same age and they're like "Ah," and pal off and run off and then the little brother is there by himself and i'm like oh damn we ride down finish our run get to the bottom of the lift and this little boy is down there by himself trying to get on the lift all alone on the lifties are like you know you have to have an adult with you you know for your safety we can't just let you on by yourself so I hear all this going on, and I'm like, you know, I'm an adult. That's fine. And I ask, you know, a little kid, I'm like, is it okay if I ride with you? And he said, yeah. So I get on the chairlift with him, and I talk to him. On the way up there, sweet little kid, we get off the chairlift. And as we're up at the top strapping in, I asked him, I said, are your parents coming? Do you want to wait for them? Do you need to ride with us? Like, what do you want to do? And he's like, oh, I'll ride with you. And we're like, okay. So we help him down, and like, Wade was helping out too, instructing him and helping him with form and stuff because it was the third time he had ever skied in his entire life and he just got fucking ditched, which, relatable, (laughs) but it's still not fun. And then he rode off into the sunset and we got down to the bottom, but like, who lets their kid just go the third time they've ever skied in a strange place? He was from Paso, which is like five hours away from there. It's not like he was at home. Yeah, no. It was not cool. It was, he was not far, cool. far away. Mikey's parents, you're fucked up. Good job, Mikey. Way to point those tips together. He did really good. I was very proud. Also, before I forget, I want to say, Elise from Europe. I don't want to say your last name because I don't know if you want me to say your last name, but you know who you are. She messaged me. It was super nice and gave us such great compliments, and then went on our Facebook page and gave us a glowing review as well. Super fan. Super fan. She's super awesome. We have a lot in common, and I really dig her. If she lived in California, I feel like we would be friends. Um, Europe trip. (coughs) Seriously, I would be down. It was just cool to see that our podcast, our tiny little podcast from our area, somebody all the way in Europe was listening to it and was a fan of it. So, Hi. Thanks, Elise. Love ya. I was very appreciative of that. So, my case I'm super excited about, and I want to go first, because I... Yeah, you should, because you got 20 pages. I got into it. It's a good case. Okay, then. Are you ready? I am ready. My case is the murder of Jasmine Fiore. Fiore? Have you ever heard of it? No, I haven't. Okay. It's crazy. 
Okay. The case is definitely a doozy. I remember hearing about it in the news, like reading headlines about it, but I did not know the details. And boy, howdy, those details are pretty fucking disturbing. Let me hear them. Oh, I'm going to tell them to you. Right now. To understand this case, we must first learn about the perpetrator, Ryan Alexander Jenkins. Because what is a murderer without three names? Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. (laughs) Jenkins was born on February 8th, 1977 in Victoria, British Columbia to a wealthy family. It is reported that he made a living buying and selling real estate or being an investment banker, depending on who you talk to. It's also heavily rumored that Jenkins was a fraud and acting like he was, you know, a mogul. But in reality, it was all mommy and daddy's money, which is what I kind of think was what it was. All those are very likely. Yeah. Jenkins also made an appearance on VH1's Megan Wants a Millionaire. Do you remember that coming on? Uh. Okay. It was one of those trash reality, you know, dating television shows that I love. The premise of the show was a woman named Megan, and she was a former contestant on VH1's Rock of Love, which I know you remember Rock yeah. of Love. She is a self-proclaimed gold digger, and in the show starring her, she was searching a rich millionaire to marry. It was reported that all contestants needed at least a net worth of a million dollars to be able to participate, but that was just a rumor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on the show, he came off as a smooth romantic and actually was one of the finalists, so he got to, like, the last episode. In the end, Megan did end up picking another contestant. Thank God for her, because things could have definitely gone different for her if she would have chose him. Shortly after completing filming for Megan Wants a Millionaire, Jenkins met Jasmine Fiore at a Las Vegas casino. Two days later, the two were married, and... They got married at the Little White Chapel in Vegas, which is that, like, well-known... Yeah. Yeah. So they eloped. It's speculated that the quick marriage was intended to secure Jenkins' residency in the States and obtain a green card for him. I also read that Jenkins promised to deposit $10,000 a month into VRA's bank accounts as compensation for the green card. Oh, my God. So, like, they liked each other, but I think it was also kind of an arrangement as well. Business deal. Yeah. That promise that he made to her, though, about the 10 grand every month was never upheld. He never paid her for that shit. Well, duh. Duh. That's a lot of fucking money, too. So, their marriage happened on March 18th, 2009. By June 2009, the two were already falling apart at the seams relationship-wise. According to Clark County Records, Jenkins was charged with battery against VRA. The pair were at a pool party in Vegas and were sloshed, naturally, as you are at a pool party in Vegas. I don't know. I've never been to one. I mean, I haven't either, but I assume. Oh, we should go to one experience it. We should. I'm down for that. (laughs) Apparently, Fiore started making out with her ex, Travis Henrik, who also happened to be at the same party somehow. Small world, I guess. Travis. Trap. Scandalous trap. Jenkins lost it, and he began berating and shoving Fiore around the pool. The fight ended with Jenkins hitting hitting Fiore so hard in the arm that she actually fell into the swimming pool, like fully clothed. Not cool. While it might seem strange that Fiore made out with her ex right in front of her new husband, I have a theory. Uh Uh-oh. 
I have a theory that I think makes a lot of sense. During the first month of her marriage, Fiore was confiding in friends and loved ones, telling them that she was unhappy in her new marriage but unsure of how to leave. Jenkins had effectively swindled her, for one. Um, uh, He was presenting himself as a wealthy man to her when they first started dating, and Fiore herself was a successful model and very quickly ended up footing the bill for their entire life together, and he moved in with her as well. He was also escalating with his violence during this time and becoming more and more abusive. So my theory is that she was possibly trying to put off Jenkins so much that he would leave her. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just what I thought. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, let's see. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So, that's my theory. Jenkins was set to go on trial for this domestic violence incident assault in December of that same year. After the breakup happened, when he went to jail and all that, Jenkins went on to another VH1 reality dating show called I Love Money. Do you remember that one? Yeah. (coughs) And that one didn't even really have, like, uh, a real premise. Nope. It was just chaos and nonsense. Well, it was just ways that you can win money. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, it wasn't, like, a hard premise. It wasn't, what? Are you looking at the lines and how loud I am? Well, the fact that you just smacked the shit out of the microphone. Sorry, guys. Mm. I'm sorry. I apologize. (laughs) Okay, I Love Money. He went on I Love Money. He actually won his season. Oh, really? Yes, he was the winner. The cash prize was $250,000 from that show. He finished filming and asked for Fiore back, claiming he had won the prize money just for her and that he missed her and yada yada, blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. The pair eventually reconciled shortly before Fiore's death and traveled to San Diego for a poker charity event that they both attended together. The pair checked into, I have no idea how to actually say this, I'm going to slaughter it, La Eberge, I think, don't yell at me, (laughs) hotel in Del Mar, California, in the San Diego area on August 13th, 2009. They made their way over to the Del Mar Hilton where the charity event was being held. Surveillance footage at the Hilton captured Jenkins and Fiore leaving the event around 2.30 a.m. August 14th. Late night. And it gets later. Surveillance footage later on in the evening captured the pair partying at the Ivy Hotel nightclub and leaving around 4.30 a.m. Whoa. I'm too much of an old lady for that shit. Party with Party. cocaine. Hey, so much coke. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. It is, though. Yeah? Yeah. It is? Yeah. It is. We are so tired, guys. Whoa. Um, footage from Jenkins' hotel, the one that they had checked into to stay, captures him entering the hotel that night alone after they left that Ivy nightclub. So this was around 5... AM that they captured him coming in. He is also shown getting ice from the hotel ice machine and carrying the hotel phone with him while he was doing that. Weird. Interesting. Yes. So remember that. And then the next morning footage shows Jenkins carrying clothing and other personal items out in his arms, like the contents of his suitcase. Shows him going out to his car, putting all his shit in there, coming back to the hotel, and then eventually leaving the hotel without checking out. 
which back in the early 2000s, you were supposed to check out of hot- a hotel. Yeah. And he just left. He, uh, blah, 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 said that. Jenkins then headed back home on August 14th and quickly began setting up an alibi for himself. He texts family and friends expressing his, his concern that his wife was missing. The dumbass even went as far as sending like text messages to Fiore's phone and then replying to his text message from his phone back to his phone, even though those texts were being sent after Fiore's like time of death. That doesn't, I mean. Dummy. I get what he was trying to do, but like she's been dead for like 12 hours. Yeah. He also stated that the last time he saw Fiore was after getting home from the poker event. He claimed she left to run errands after dropping him off at the house and that she never returned. Remember, surveillance showed Jenkins entering and leaving the hotel they were staying at in Del Mar alone without Fiore. So that doesn't make any fucking sense. Police later found Jenkins' SUV abandoned at a marina in Blaine, Washington. On August 19th, witnesses reported seeing Jenkins driving a boat into a marina in Port Roberts, so this was in Canada. The Royal Mounted Police announced after this event that they believe Jenkins crossed into the... In, blah, 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 blah. Let me try that again. Crossed into Canada sometime between August 19th and August 20th. Around 6 p.m. August 20th, Jenkins arrived at the seedy Thunderbird Hotel in Hope, British Columbia, and he was accompanied by a mystery blonde woman. What? What? Jenkins stayed in the car while the mystery woman entered the hotel office and paid for a three-night stay at the hotel in cash. She then entered the room with Jenkins, stayed for about 20 minutes with him, left and then departed from the hotel, and the woman was later identified as Jenkins' half-sister, Elena Jenkins. At 11.30 a.m. on August 21st, the pair had failed to check out of their room, so the hotel manager and his nephew decided it would be a great idea to check on the room themselves. They discovered Jenkins dead via hanging from a belt off of a clothing rack in the room. After this came out, TMZ did some digging, They basically sent a reporter to a records office with a bunch of cash trying to find expunged records, which obviously they were successful in doing. I didn't even know that was possible, did you? I didn't know that. They found him. Uh, So they found the evidence of an expunged domestic violence charge against Jenkins. Um, It basically was him beating the shit out of an ex-girlfriend before Fiore. But he's rich, or his parents are rich, so he got it expunged. Yeah. Because the record was expunged, it was not picked up by VH1's background check that they ran. After this news hit, there was an obvious uproar about the situation, and VH1 pulled his Megan Wants a Millionaire and I Love Money seasons. So Megan Wants a Millionaire had aired like three episodes, and I Love Money hadn't aired yet, and they pulled all of those. (coughs) Sorry. And I actually found a podcast episode by a podcast called Dirtcast, and the host of the podcast were interviewing the producer of Megan Wants a Millionaire and I Love Money. And it was super interesting. I actually, like, I just searched this case to see if I could find any episodes pertaining to the case specifically. But then I came across this. And the producer claims that even though VH1, you know, handles the background checks of the contestants before they hire them, that 
VH1 like threw it in his lap and essentially was like, this is your fault. Like, you know, you were videotaping him essentially. So all of this is your fault and we're putting all of the blame on you. Completely threw him under the bus. VH1 pulled all the episodes. Yes. But they proceeded to charge that producer's company $12 million for the loss of revenue over pulling both of those seasons. Oh my God. Yeah. And to make it even worse, he claimed VH1 took that money out of the profit from future episodes that he was already contracted to film for VH1. So they're basically like, you get to work for free for two years. Oh my God. Yeah. And I don't know why this dude would lie about that. Yeah. And he wasn't talking mad shit. He was just kind of acting like he was telling the facts. He was like, yeah, they (laughs) did me really dirty and I was already contracted to film all this shit already. And even though this wasn't my fault and my company didn't even handle the background checks, we had to foot the bill for all this shit. And then VH1 looked good because they were pulling the episodes of the serial killer. Shitty. Back to the case, though. The investigators now had all they needed to piece together what actually happened on the night of um, Fiore's murder. After leaving the nightclub at about 4.30 a.m. where they were on, ca- on camera, Jenkins and Fiore got into an altercation inside the vehicle where Jenkins assaulted Fiore. And that's why when they found um, Fiore's SUV, there was her blood and hair within the vehicle. So she was still alive after that altercation happened, but she was really fucked up because of the amount of blood they found. Jenkins then drove them to the hotel where he drug Fiore up onto the hotel patio. He then entered the hotel, and footage actually shows him, like, running through the hallway. And so he ran into his room, opened it up, then opened the back door, drug her through the patio so no one would see her all fucking, you know, fucked up and beat up. The footage shows Jenkins getting ice and holding the phone, which prosecutors assume is because he's trying to stop Fiore from, like, calling out or calling for help when he goes to get her ice because she's beat the fuck up. Yeah. Jenkins then strangled Fiore and removed her teeth and fingers, which, where the fuck did those go? Like, those were never recovered. And I'm pretty sure I missed a whole page because I didn't talk about them recovering the body. Hold on. God damn it. Okay, well, I definitely missed a page, but <laughs> there was a apartment manager that found Fiore's body stuffed in a suitcase, and her fingers and teeth were all removed. They never found them. They never found the teeth and fingers, no. Oh but somehow I glanced over that. I had a lot of pages of notes. I've snowboarded all day. I'm still half drunk. Sorry, guys. So, that's the time where he removed her fingers and teeth because, you know, it stops them from identifying her. Um, The next morning, Jenkins emptied his own suitcase and carried the contents of his suitcase to the car, so that's where we see him with all of his shit in his hands, carrying all the shit out. He then proceeded to curl Fiore's corpse into his suitcase and roll it out of the patio, where he then loaded it into his car from the outside of the patio. Yeah. Whoa. Isn't that crazy? Your case is way worse than mine. Yeah, mine was really bad. I hope that made sense because I'm almost 100% positive I skipped a page. You did. Did it make sense? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I think all of that was just talking about them. And basically, like, his defense... Oh, that's what I missed. 
Okay, I do want to say it. I'm sorry. I'm going to rewind a little bit. But his whole defense was that the last time he saw Fiore was after getting back home from the poker tournament, which I know I said that. And he, she ran errands and never came back. But when they called him initially for questioning, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm on my way to Canada. And they were like, what? And he's like, I have immigration issues. I'm on my, I'm on my way to Canada. Like, I can't talk. And they're like, okay. Okay, and then that's when the boat came in and they saw him like pulling into Marina and fleeing essentially and going into Canada. But whoa, really fucked up. Yeah, that's the murder of Jasmine Fiore. Crazy, cray, cray, cray. Uh, well, mine isn't really about a TV star at all, but it is about a Hollywood television director guess that fits right that's not reality television but it's a television director okay close okay. i couldn't find anything else okay there were so many reality tv murders i couldn't find any. there were so many to choose from okay you're crazy i didn't find any my case though didn't get solved for 34 years that's a long time. That's a very long time. And the arrest was made May 9th, 2019 in North Carolina. Okay. After police matched up some uh, DNA and a confession linked him to the crime. Crazy. Okay. All right. So, a man named Edwin Hyatt. I'm pretty sure that's how you say his last name. H Hyatt. 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 He was 52 years old and was charged in May of 2019 for a murder in 1985 of Barry Kane in Studio City, Los, An- uh, Los Angeles, California. Okay. Wasn't that like the, yeah. where they filmed like TV shows and shit? Well, Studio City is a city in, within Los Angeles, but yeah. Oh. Same th- Same area. Kane directed dozens of episodes in uh, like the 70s and 80s TV shows. Incredible Hulk was one of them. Uh, Hawaii Five-0, Six Million Dollar Man, and then he had assisted in producing uh, Mission Impossible and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was pretty famous, and uh, his housekeeper actually found. Him dead in his garage on July 5th, 1985. Was he married? No. Okay, and so he, he lived alone. Yeah, and okay. he was beaten with a large ceramic statue and strangled with a telephone cord. That's quite a yeah. choice for yeah, weapon. the housekeeper found him butt-ass naked wrapped in like, oh, bed sheets. Oh, Yeah, okay. it's pretty bad. Um... I have Mexican food burps right now. Yeah, they do. So much Velasco's. The only thing that was stolen from his house was his wallet and Cadillac. And it was really odd because there's like a lot of really expensive pieces that were just right there for taking. And a Cadillac is very easily linked back to... Yeah. Okay. Why would you steal that out of everything? I don't know, but his case was unsolved until police said uh, last year in 2018, or two years ago. Wait, did they ever find the car? Yeah. Okay. Just let me read. Okay. Police said uh, in 2018 they matched a fingerprint from 
Kane's stolen car to uh, Edwin, who was 18 at the time of the killing. And actually, since it was, you know, unsolved case and murder, stuff like that, FBI got involved and FBI investigators conducted surveillance on Edwin and obtained his, uh, like, his discarded cigarette butts. Wait, I have a question, though. Did he, did his DNA hit the system and it matched in CODA? Or, like, why all of a sudden did... That's, that's what they were just saying, is they just got tipped off by him and they went and conducted surveillance and they took his cigarette butts and coffee cups. Oh, so he wasn't in the system, okay. No, he wasn't. Since since they just went out and looked at him. So they, like, Golden State killer him. (laughs) Okay. So the DNA from those items matched the DNA from Kane's stolen car. Okay. Which was discovered shortly after the death on a mountain road. What? The car was found shortly after Kane's death oh. on a mountain road. Gotcha. On uh, <clears throat> March 8th of 2019, homicide detective went to North Carolina to interview Edwin Height. Height. Hyatt. 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 During the Hate interview, Edwin admitted to actually killing Barry Kane. And uh, he was. It, what, like, it was really I, weird. He just kind of confessed, and then there was no. No one really knew what his next move was because they didn't even know if he had a lawyer or not. They just started interviewing him. He was like, Yeah, I killed him. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was really odd. Really huh. odd what? But there's a video on YouTube if you guys really want to look into it. And the guy's a little off. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he is. The, he even says in the interview that he is really fucked up on drugs a what, lot. What kind of what drugs are we talking about? Doesn't say. And I didn't look into it. Not the good kind. Yeah. So, and the other thing too is like when FBI investigators showed up, he. Edwin had no idea what the, like, he had no clue what was going to happen the first time they met him. What do you mean? Like, he had no idea what was going on. You killed somebody. Yeah, he had no idea, though. Okay. The fuck? Yeah, he had no memory of it. Just bits and pieces that were brought back by, like, like suggestions. one of those blackout murders? I guess. That's what he's kind of Or was he wrongfully convicted? No, I don't. Oh, no, DNA linked him. He confessed and all that stuff. Um, and investigators actually asked Edwin if he was, like, capable of killing Kane, and he's, his reply was, anything is possible back then. I was really big into drugs. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they also asked if he remembered Kane, and they said until, or he said, until they told me his name, and then I didn't remember his picture. So pretty much saying, like, I remembered his name, but I didn't remember his face. Okay. That's Just, weird. It was. Like, the whole interaction with this guy was a little little bit different. And he pretty much doesn't want to remember the past, is what that whole interview was getting after, and what he actually <laughs> said, too. And, you know, he said it's different. He has a different life today. I don't kill people anymore now? Yeah, his coworkers even backed him up. Told the uh, Herald News that uh, 
was a generous and peaceful man. His coworkers did. If I have said this once, I've said it a million times. You never know people, especially your coworkers. Exactly. Like one of his coworkers, D. Hall, said that he wouldn't even hurt a fly. But he'd kill a woman. Yeah. No. Guy. Guy. I mean, sorry. He'd kill a man. Yeah. Okay. And Hall even followed up with uh, this was something that supposedly happened 30 years ago. The man's changed. So he still killed somebody. Saying that Christ has come in and he's become a new creature. If God's forgiven you, you're forgiven. That's that. I have so many thoughts. Yeah. So, uh, August <laughs> 15th, he, uh, Edwin was actually extra- extradited. extradited back to California. And he ple- pled guilty, or not guilty, in court to uh, uh, one count of murder with special allegations using a heavy decorative object was part During of the, the charge of the crime yes that's a char- that's an extra charge yes for using a statue okay so he re- uh he actually entered a plea at the los angeles courthouse and returned to the courtroom december 17 2019 and i haven't found a case file on him on that date yet for him. Uh, I want to know what happened. I know, I do too. And I don't... I don't think it was going to end well, really. I hope not. No, I think they're going to put him away. He's 52, though. He'll be away long enough that he won't ever get out, I don't think. No. So, it wasn't really what we had talked about doing, but at the same time, it caught my eye, and I like. No, that's crazy. Yeah. 34 years, they couldn't figure it out. And then all of a sudden, they just got a random tip. tip. And then they brought him in. He was like, yeah, I did that. I for sure did that. <laughs> Sometimes that's all it takes. And I can't believe that after all that time, he just, like, freely admitted to that. You know, he could have lawyered up. and Yeah, that was the other thing, too. Is like they, He never mentioned lawyer to him or anything. That's huh. why they were all, like, thought it was really odd. Maybe it had been, like, eating at him. Probably could have been. I don't know. He probably knew what he did. And that's probably why he couldn't remember it, and only bits and pieces. Well, I'm sorry I missed a whole page of my notes, but it really, I think, was just filler because I hit all the main points in my case. That's good. But your case was really good. I dug it. Yeah. That's crazy. I had never heard of either of these, and I thought they were wildly interesting. The whole, that whole, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Genre of employment. Yeah. Some crazy shit happens. Some crazy people happen. Yeah, actors are weirdos for the most part. And people who are on reality television are definitely weirdos. Jesus Christ, yes. So that's our show. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, Booze, Bullshit, and True Crime. Please email me just to say hi or more so if you have a personal story and we will say it on air. Booze, BS, and True Crime at gmail.com that's booze b-s-a-n-d and true crime at gmail.com bye-bye bye